0: And God bless you. Thanks, Brother Tim. Tim's prayer cards on my desk at work in my office in Arlington Heights. 133 missionaries of the cross on 23 mission fields of our world, just like Tim Nash. And we're grateful that God has raised up an army. Just a week ago, we had a a missionary assessment center where 12 or 15. People came that heard the call of God uh, to serve Him in world mission. And so if you're interested, you need to go and talk to Tim as he has invited you and uh, learn more about the great country of Mexico. I always tell people, oh yeah, we think in America we have an immigration problem. It isn't a problem, it's a challenge. Uh, With all the people that are coming from Central America, we can share the gospel in a way that would make a difference in their lives. Well, I understand we had the big honcho here a couple of weeks ago, Jerry Shevlin. How many were here? And now you know for sure he's smarter than Lou Petrie, but I'm better looking. And uh, you remember that. Now he's retiring. I hope he told you that. Not retiring, transitioning. And uh, we're looking for a new president right now. So pray that God raises up the right person so that we can lead, have good leadership, biblical leadership, visionary leadership, 1,250 churches across America. And uh, I hope he told you. I'm sure he did. You know, for all the years I was the vice president of Converge Worldwide, we had about 5,000 baptisms a year. And here at the last year that we counted, I think 2013, uh, we had over 19,000 baptisms. And we're grateful for God giving us that increase. Yeah, Uh, just a grateful opportunity for the opportunities we have to share Christ. And I'm so glad I'm a part of Springbrook Community Church where we have a pastor that believes in baptism and, uh, but Dan holds them down too long. I don't get that. Uh, I, I, you just tell him, let them up a little bit. Give them some air. A number of years ago, I was in Cameroon, West Africa, and there I went to the city of Limbe, uh, the old Victoria. Uh, you probably remember that place from your history. Uh, that's the place that saltwater sharks will go up the Victoria River. And uh, back in the 1700s and 1800s where they were finding slaves, they would uh, slaves would die and they had to get rid of the bodies, so they would throw them in the Victoria River. And those saltwater sharks would go up that freshwater river and they would eat the bodies. It's a horrible place, a horrible history. Uh, I was there accompanying a doctor from Atlanta, from the Center for Disease Control, and we were investigating the issue of HIV-AIDS. And in those days, they felt like... Uh, The open bushmeat markets with chimpanzee meat was the reason why HIV-AIDS was being spread so easily. And so he was investigating that, and we had a little bit of time, and they took us to the zoo in Limbe. Now, when you go to down there to Lincoln Park Zoo, they got all these beautiful animals, and they're in cages, and uh, you can see them all. Take your time. It's a great day. It's free. It's a great zoo down there. Uh, That is not the kind of zoo they had in Cameroon. And there in Victoria, I saw the chimpanzees, about a hundred of them in an enclosure. And then the man, the guide, said, I'd like to take you to the lion enclosure. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. Uh, uh, There we were standing by a patch of grass, no bars, no wire, no nothing, no wire netting. And all of a sudden, out of the grass came a man-eating lion. He bounded towards me, and I thought to myself, Where's the toilet paper? And as I looked, there were no bars. He was not in a cage. The only thing that was keeping him in that enclosure was a thin electrical wire. He knew that if he got near that wire, it would shock him. And so he stood back. It never occurred to him, and I'm so glad it didn't, that he could jump over the wire. And to come and take for dinner whoever was happened to be standing on the other side of that wire. I remember reading the little story. Carl Armading was a great professor at Wheaton College and at Moody and at Dallas Theological Seminary. He tells of the time that he went to the zoo. Uh, You are certainly a brave man, he said to the lion keeper. The old lion keeper said, no, I ain't brave as he continued to sweep. Well then, that cat must be tame. No, came the reply, he ain't tame. If you aren't brave and the wild cat isn't tame, then I can't understand why he doesn't attack you. Amberding said the old man chuckled, then replied with an air of confidence, Mister, he's old and he ain't got no teeth. (laughs) And I thought to myself, "Uh, uh, most of the lions that I've seen have teeth. And I'm sure you've seen them too at different places. The devil has teeth. The devil has teeth. The Bible says, be on the alert. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour or to eat. If you flip over in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. A tremendous passage of God's Word that Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote for our encouragement, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, I exert the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight and not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness Nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon Him, because He cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. And Peter closes with a amen. He says, this should be our prayer, that we would have those that watch over us as shepherds to the flock, and that they might protect us and encourage us to have faith in God, Let that be our prayer this morning, that we might resist the devil, a roaring lion that comes and seeks to devour us. Lord, we pray this morning that You might speak to us through Your holy Word. Help us this morning, Lord. We want Your grace this morning in our lives flowing through with power so that we might resist the devil and that we might resist the temptation to give in to the world, to sin, and to the devil. Lord, help us this morning. Speak to us this morning. May we be careful to wait upon You, to listen to Your Word, we pray. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. I don't know if you know much about the devil. He's a, he's a, he's a creation of God. I think we sometimes make too much fun of the devil. The Bible tells us, Uh, that He is a mighty creature. And in His heart came a time when pride entered into His being. And in Isaiah chapter 14, if you have your Bibles there, you'll want to flip over. And to see this passage that describes the attitude and the leanings of the devil, Satan. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to hell, to the recesses of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will ponder over you, saying, Is this the one who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities and did not allow his prisoners to go home. And there's Satan, the seven great I wills. As pride entered into his heart, he said, I'll be made greater than God Himself. I will take His throne. I will be the one that rules this world. And the strange thing about the devil is he knows that he can't do it by his power in confronting God. And that the only way He can have the victory in His life is by coming to you and me and tempting us to follow after Him. One by one, He comes and He tries to deceive us. And Jesus said, be careful, this one is a liar. He's a murderer from the beginning. He's been collecting His children that will lie and murder and steal. And uh, Jesus says, but don't listen to Him. Uh, and in John chapter 8, he says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Huh? Somebody say amen. Uh, every time I come to Springbrook, i got to tell you where to say amen. we got to stop this. Huh? <laughs> yeah, Amen belongs there. It was Jesus that came to this world to set us free. Huh? So that you and I might have the victory through Him. He was the one that laid down His life on the cross of Calvary. The Lion of Judah. Uh, the one that rules and reigns for us so that we might experience His great grace and and the awesome privilege of being in His house with Him. And this morning, as we look at the Scriptures, as we see five points this morning, the first one is the devil is our adversary. Your enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I love movies, don't you? i just love that old movie val kilmer and michael douglas the ghost in the darkness how many have read that seen it yeah i've read three books on that story alone it's an amazing story it's a story of john henry patterson a an irish engineer that goes to africa and there in uganda uh, in kenya he builds a railway for the british government the empire building nation of those days and uh, as he's there it isn't long before two lions the lions of savo uh, begin to kill and eat the coolies that are working on building that railroad it's an amazing story i tell you what when you watch the film uh, i've had people scream out in fear as the lions would come and, and then i tell them i say oh, uh the movie is not as half as horrible as the reality of what happened in africa In the 1800s, 135 men were eaten by those two lions of Savo. And uh, two maneless lions. They weren't lions like you and I think with the big manes. No, no, no. Because of the dryness in that part of the the continent, they lost their manes. And uh, they developed a taste for human flesh. Uh, Listen to what John Henry Patterson says. These, however, were only the earlier efforts of the man eaters. Later on, as will be seen, nothing flurried or frightened them in the least. And save as food, they showed a complete contempt of human beings. Once, having once marked down a victim, they would allow nothing to deter them from securing him, whether he was protected by a thick fence or inside a closed tent or sitting round a brightly burning fire. Shots! Shouting! Firebrands! They like laughed at. Their methods became so uncanny and their man-stalking so well-timed and so certain of success that the workmen firmly believed they were not real animals at all, but devils in lion shape. The Lions of Savo. And if you go downtown Chicago, (laughs) I'm telling you the truth, I've been there, I've seen it with my own eyes, there in the Field Museum are the two Lions of Savo. And when you look into the ar- their eyes, all you can sense is a shudder and a fear uh, because they were real and they were willing to put themselves at great danger in order to have another Kentucky Fried human being. <laughs> huh, Brethren, listen to me this morning. The devil is on our trail. I'm telling you the truth. He's trying to destroy families. He's trying to break us up. He's trying to destroy this church. Because of one thing and one thing only. Because we declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you hear me this morning now? That Jesus Christ is Lord. And being in control of this old earth right now, He has the keys of heaven and death. He's the one that can go into the presence of the Heavenly Father and accuse you before the throne of God. That's the whole story of Job. And uh, there He has the presence. But a day is coming. You and I cannot defeat Him. You and I cannot beat Him. We cannot kill Him. He is the one that is in charge. But I tell you what, aren't you glad that God is in control? Aren't you glad that one day He'll be cast down to this old earth and then taken from this earth and cast into the utter darkness? Forever and ever the devil's been beat. But until that day, He is our enemy. And you might have trials and tribulations, and sometimes that comes into our lives. When you become a Christian, that doesn't mean everything's going to get better. But the one thing that you can relish this morning is that our God does not tempt us. (laughs) That's the realm of the devil. He's the one that comes and tries to trick us and to trap us. He's the one that is our enemy. He's the one that tries to take our children. He's the one that tries to get us to go down drug road and pleasure road. And He is the one that is wanting somehow to get our gaze off of God. But brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one that is willing to come And die for us on the cross of Calvary. Remember, remember this. In Matthew chapter 4, right at the beginning of His ministry, cast out, impelled out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit of God. There Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights. And the only so-called friend He had in those 40 days and 40 nights was who? Satan, the devil. Uh, He came and tempted Jesus uh, so that Jesus might give up His great quest. Uh, to die upon that cross and give His life as redemption for you and for me. <laughs> and each time, every seminary and Bible school student knows the answer to this question, uh, that when Jesus was confronted with the, the, the lies of the devil, what did He say? Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Quoting Scripture to Satan himself uh, so that he might realize that Jesus' faith was in the Heavenly Father and what it was that God was willing to do through him. This morning, your life needs to be tied by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God that no one should boast. Uh, but that we have God on our side. Oh my. I've been dealing with the devil most of my life. My daddy was an alcoholic. I just thought about it again this week. It came up. My Aunt Faye and my Uncle Jack believed that my dad murdered my mother. And there, my whole life of growing up, having the devil on my case, trying to persuade me not not to go the way of God. <laughs> and then I remember the day I marched into the inspector's office in the Royal Canadian Mount of Police and told him I was resigning my commission to purchase out of the RCMP in Canada. And then I was going to Bible school. <laughs> and that night as I got off my shift, it was midnight, I got home, my wife Linda was in bed. I had my pistol by my side, my gear, I took it all off, I put it into the to the little uh, nightstand beside us and I crawled into bed worrying about whether I was making the right choice to give up my career in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and to go to Bible school and to follow after him. And there that night as I laid in the bed, I woke up with a start early in the morning, there was a man in the room, in the corner of my bedroom in Vegreville, Alberta. And I couldn't move. I couldn't yell out. I was paralyzed with fear. And there my wife laying beside me. I couldn't even shake her. I couldn't move. And there the man came from the corner of the room. Came and put his hands around my throat. I couldn't reach for my gun. I couldn't get the phone. There wasn't anything that I could do at that moment. And the only thing that I could think of to do with every last bit of desperation in my life, I cried out to God, and Lord Jesus, save me. In that moment, the man was gone. Linda said she thought I was a man that lost my mind. I jumped out of the bed. I ran into the hallway trying to find the man that was in the house. And then that morning, I got on the phone and called my pastor, Ron Brown, born in Zaire, Africa, to a missionary family. And I called Ron. I said, i got to see you right away. And I went and visited Ron. And I said, Ron, last night, it was so real. There was a man in the room And he, with all kinds of experience in Africa, facing down the devil, the Simba, the lion rebellion in the 50s and the 60s, told me, he said, Lou, that was the devil. Trying to get you to change your mind about giving up everything and following after God. Let me ask you this morning, what is God asking you to do with your life, with your family, With your spouse, with your children, with your money, with your job, your future, your hopes. What is God asking you to do? And why would the devil have any interest to persuade you from not following after him? He's our enemy. Our adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But the Bible says, resist him. (laughs) Firm in your faith. And that's point two. Uh, We see it right there in our attitude. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. You and I need to be alert to the tricks of the devil. He's a wily one. He'll come and everything will look right and beautiful. The Bible says he comes as an angel of light sometimes. He doesn't always come with the pitchfork and the red horns and the red outfit. That's Santa Claus. At best, it's a Royal Canadian Mount of Policeman. <laughs> but I tell you what, you and I need to be alert. We need to be of sober attitude. We need to make sure that we understand what it is, that the, what the devil is trying to do. We are responsible for our spiritual lives and testimony. We need to be diligent to the attacks of the devil. He is seeking someone to devour. Listen to Patterson again. I had put some cattle into the deserted hospital enclosure and left a few tents standing so that the lions might be deceived and think that the patients were still within the boma, the fence. We sat in the car for a couple of hours in perfect silence, enveloped in stygian darkness, and then I plainly heard a dry stick snap. The man-eater, I whispered to Brock. A few minutes afterwards, we heard a dull thud of just some heavy body had jumped over the boma. Then we heard the cattle running about, and after that everything became still. I now proposed to my companion that I should climb out of the car, lie on the ground, so as to get a better shot at the brute, if he should come in our direction with his prey. But Brock persuaded me to remain where I was, and thank God I took his advice, for at that very moment the lion was actually stalking us. And after a short period of intense gazing into the darkness, I thought I saw something Glide to a bush in front of us. In a whisper, I asked Brock, Did you see anything? But he made no reply, so I held my rifle in readiness and waited. Those two or three moments I shall never forget. I felt instinctively that the uncanny devil was stealing stealthily toward us, and I even thought I could discern a form of some kind, but I feared to fire lest it should be only my imagination running away with me. And in that case, I should merely frighten the man-eater away. The darkness and the silence could almost be felt, and for those few seconds, the strain on my nerves was almost unendurable. Then suddenly, a huge body sprang at us. The lion, I shouted! And both our shots rang out simultaneously. The noise and flash of our rifles so terrified the brute that instead of leaping right into the car, he turned in his spring, but he got so close to me that I felt the wipe of his paw across my face. If we had not been thoroughly on the alert, he should have undoubtedly got one of us. We had the luckiest escape that night that is possible for man to experience. Only our keen vigilance and God's good providence saved one or both of us from an awful fate. (laughs) And when you've been in the presence of the devil, I tell you what, it is unmistakable. Unmistakable. There I was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Pastor Neil Hughes called me in Chicago. He said, Brother Lou, you've had all kinds of experience with exorcisms. He said, we have a girl that is demon-possessed from India. And there in India, she was dedicated to the service of Satan. They were going to, were going to kill her and sacrifice her to the demons. The servant woman saw the infant baby, kidnapped her. Her name was Natessa. Her name in India means without God. Natessa, without God. They brought that little girl to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, but she was demonized. And her gifting, if you could call it that, her special ability was to entice men through sexual favors to have her way and to get the things that she wanted. But the devil's control was was tightening and tightening. And Neil Hughes said, Luke, could you come? I said, I could. We had a hundred, listen to me now, a hundred pastors of our conference in the sanctuary during our pastoral prayer gathering. And there they prayed for Natessa's four of us in the room. Now, you're not going to find this hard to believe, but in that room for two hours, I never said one word. (laughs) All I did the whole two hours was pray that Brother Neil would be used by God to set this woman free. And I'll never forget, I won't tell you the details of what happened, but I tell you what, no one in any vicinity of that church could ever doubt that our God is a great God. And at the moment that Neil cast the demon out and away she went, the little girl looked at us with tears in her eyes and she said to us, my name is now Tessa, with God. <laughs> with God. That's what you and I need this morning more than anything else. That we might be with God. Identified by faith in His great power over us. <laughs> and that's why Paul wrote it in Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I am now living, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered Himself up for me. Are you living for Him this morning? Is Jesus Christ in first place in your life this morning? Stephen Alford, the great New Testament scholar, said He is either Lord of all or He is not Lord at all. So that you and I might have His care. Peter wrote it. Casting all your cares upon Him because He, what? Cares for you. (laughs) And even the face of the devil being on your case, I tell you what, there's a God in heaven that's stronger than the devil. He is the one that can defeat Him and has defeated Him. And that you and I can follow after the Lord Jesus Christ in a way that makes a difference in your life uh, for the good of people and for the glory of God. Then the third point is this. The enemy of our souls, our advantage. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon Him, because He cares for you. This is the advantage that we have. God is on our side. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Can you hear me this morning, church? Nothing. We sang it this morning, didn't we? Huh? He will never leave us or or forsake us. He is the one that is with us every step of the way. No matter what kind of situation you're in this morning, no job, God can get you a job. Huh? Huh? Somebody say yes. What? Is everybody here working? (laughs) I'm only kidding. Yeah, and to be able to see God do what it is that He wants to do this morning in our lives. And all we have to do, say yes to Him. (laughs) Lord, yes to You. In my heart and in my mind, I'm going to serve you. Uh, My youngest daughter, Lindsay, is going on a missions trip in August. She's going to work in the Mercy Ships in Benin, Africa. This morning we got the report that one of the doctors that working there got Ebola and is going to die, that flesh-eating disease. I don't want my little girl to go to that place! But it's not up to me. It's up to God. He's the one that marks us out and sends us. He prepares our hearts and our minds, casting all our cares upon Him. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And I tell you, brethren, when you and I get ourselves in the place of humility and allowing God to lead us and direct us and guide us, there's no place where we cannot go. That God cannot take care of us. There's no situation that God cannot handle. Do you believe it this morning, church? That God is asking us to trust Him this morning enough that the glory might be His. And then when we see that happen, I tell you, huh, it's an amazing deal. And then the fifth point is this. Not just our... No, is that the fourth point? or? The, isn't anybody counting? I don't have numbers up there. How do I know? They're at four point. Okay, here we go. Our advantage. Our... Now they got me mixed up here. Where are we? This one? Okay. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Didn't you didn't you didn't you appreciate the prayer time this morning? I had to sit down. Because no matter we think that our situation is unique it is not huh the sufferings of this old world are basically the same i never will forget being in nigeria uh, uh, they took me at seven o'clock in the morning to Gembu, and there i preached in the primitive baptist church and uh, there at seven in the morning i preached first to an english congregation and then i preached to a Fafulde congregation they were standing in the windows trying to hear. And the pastor he he got up and he interpreted for me and he said to the congregation, "Hold on to your seats this morning. A big bomb is going off in here." <laughs> and I got up and preached my heart out to those folks. And when I gave the invitation, I didn't I didn't know what was going to happen. But they started to run out of the pews and they started to run forward. And every single person that came forward, I had to pray with. And as I began to pray with them, it was the same trials and temptations as here in America. It was the same issues. And then when I thought I was done, the pastor said, oh no, you've got to pray with all the children. <laughs> I said, what? I'm hungry. I need some chicken. <laughs> and all the kids came and I had to pray for all the children. And then... As I was heading out the door, a deacon came. Oh, Dr. Lou, one more sermon, please. I'm taking my evangelistic team out into the bush. We're going to the villages where they have never heard about the king. Would you preach one more time? One more time. You see, there was no missionary there. There was just people touched by the grace of God. And God is begging us this morning, what actions will we take? What will we sacrifice? The devil does not want you to say yes to God this morning. And all, we're begging you by the grace of God to let your life be invested for the King. And to let it shine in such a way that men see Your good works and glorify their Father who is in heaven. And then the fifth point. Is that the fifth point? No, no, there's one more. Our advantage, our agreement. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself perfect Confirm, strengthen, and establish you. May His dominion rule in our lives. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Florida. I went to Riverview, Florida to the church, The View. Forgot all about that little place. (laughs) Years ago, when we had the Extreme Steps campaign, I had the privilege of working with Bill Milliken, the pastor of Sun City, Trinity, Baptist Church, and we raised $300,000, and Bill was such a generous guy, he took some of that money, and they planted the church, the view, in Riverview, and I forgot that I was the one responsible for that little church, and when I got there that Sunday, the pastor didn't forget, when he introduced me, he said, lose the reason why there's a church here, now he was being facetious, I know, Jesus is the reason, isn't he, and I just happened to be used by Jesus to provide a little bit of money to help with that church, There was a pastor there that had cerebral palsy. He had those crazy sticks, you know, that they use, and then the clamps here. You don't see them very much anymore, but when we were kids, we saw them all the time, didn't we, polio kids, right? Well, this guy had cerebral palsy. I looked at him. I thought he was African American. And uh, he had dark skin, and and as I looked at him, I must be an African American, but he wasn't. He wasn't. I said, "Uh, Brother, where are you from? And he said, I'm from Cartagena, Colombia. Cartagena is the oldest city in the Western Hemisphere. It's the place that the slaves from Victoria were brought to Cartagena, and then they were processed there, and then they were sent all over America. I said, well, what are these about? Oh, he said, I don't know if I could tell you the story. He said, I'm a wasted life. I said, what? I never heard that before. He said, my life was wasted. I said, brother, what do you mean? He said, I was born in Cartagena. He said, in Cartagena, when a baby like me is born and with severe handicaps, the priests come and look in our eyes. And if they see the disease in the eyes, they mark you as a wasted child. And then I was to be sacrificed to Satan. They had me in the queue to be sacrificed that day with numerous other babies. But isn't our God good? <laughs> huh? Isn't our God good? Huh? He will what? Perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you? Are you weak this morning? Are you in darkness this morning? Listen, I got good news for you. There's our God in heaven who cares for you! Doesn't He care for you? Yes, He does. He cares for you and for me. (laughs) And that day in Cartagena, Colombia, was a couple from Fargo, North Dakota. What? No good thing comes from Fargo, North Dakota. And there, the couple was there on vacation. They heard about this place. They went in and they kidnapped the baby. And they took that baby to Fargo, North Dakota. Now, you're not going to believe this. I was the pastor in Minot, North Dakota. They attended Bethel E. Free Church. They were our number one enemy in Owana. We would debate them. We would wanna circle them. We would Olympic them. We did everything to them. And uh, there that kid was raised at Bethel Evangelical Free Church. And then he heard the voice of God. (laughs) I said, brother, that can't be true. But it is true. That's the kind of world we live in. Where the devil is on our case and he would destroy us. He would murder us. He would kill us. He's going to do anything to get us from not serving God. And now I said to him, what are you doing now? He said, in August I'm going to St. Andrew's in Scotland. And I'm going to get my doctorate in Scotland. I said, that ain't fair. He said, I've been wanting to go to Scotland my whole life to go to school there. And he's going to go? A wasted life? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, listen to me this morning. There are no wasted lives. There is not one person born upon this earth that God's grace cannot come and touch and change. And i got good news for you this morning. It may be you today. It may be you that God wants. It may be you, and all you have to do is be in agreement with God. Allow Him to perfect you, to establish you, to strengthen you, to make you the person that He wants you to be. It might be you this morning. And it doesn't matter if the lion is on your case, looking for someone to eat, our God is stronger, mightier. Let's all stand together this morning, can we? Huh? Huh? It may be you this morning. Look into my eyes this morning. Look into my eyes. God is speaking to you. I can sense it this morning, can't you? No wasted lives that even as Hebrews tells us that Jesus came, was tempted in every way which you are this morning. He overcame the devil. He beat down the devil on your behalf and my behalf. Do you believe it this morning? And all He wants us to do is to be a sanctuary for Him this morning. Have we ever sung that song here? I think we have. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary Pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Can you sing it with me this morning? Let it be our prayer this morning. Let's let God fill us this morning. Let's let God direct us and encourage us. And no matter what's going on in your life this morning, guess what? God wants the glory for your life. More than anything else, he wants the glory for your life. Let him have it this morning. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. For you. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thank you that you're here with us in this place. Lord, let us respond in faith, believing that you are the great God of heaven. Help us to focus our attention upon you. Lord, no matter what trials or troubles or tribulations we have this morning, God, we say yes to you. Let Your grace fill our hearts. Help us this morning to serve You, to worship You. Lord, thank You for our pastor this morning and his dear family. Thank You that they're in agreement with Your Word. Thank You that they lead us, the pastors here, by faith, with great vision and endurance. Now, Lord, as we go our way this morning, speak to us. Help us to say no to the devil and yes to God. Help us to keep our focus upon you, we pray. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus, for his sake. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Mm. Dr. Lewis, I want to thank you for being with us this morning. And it's a reminder for me that God's Word is living and active, and able to cut to the marrow of our souls. And so.